I've been thinking this week is uh, been kind of a full week, but I'm thinking about we all, I guess, fail to realize that we're all getting older. And I begin to think back. I begin to think back. I remember back in the, in the 60s, probably late 60s, I remember going to Anderson camp meeting, young man feeling the call to preach, feeling like pastoring, taking a pastor and scared to death. I remember going over to the edge of the camp outside of the tabernacle under one of the shelters there by the picnic table, and there sat Dr. Oldham. Sat down beside him and began to share with him what God had put on my heart. And the advice that he gave me was such wonderful advice. He said, if you don't want to spend a lot of time in wasted counseling, just tell the truth from the pulpit. If you preach what the Word says, you don't have to defend it behind closed doors. And through the years, I've watched his life and read from him and listened to him. And I thought about Sister McCutcheon, who was our pastor, and all the encouraging words that she gave to us, and now she's gone. And today in Anderson, Indiana, there will be a funeral for Dr. Arlo Newell. Dr. Newell passed this last what a giant. What a guy. It was, it was nothing unusual for him to uh, drop a little note card. The secretary lay on my desk. It was from Dr. Newell. You crossed my mind, and I was thinking about you. I thought I wanted to let you know I was praying for you. He'd been such a support to my son. Almost every camp meeting that Arlo preached, if he could choose the music director, he said, I want Jimmy Fogger. I want him to lead the music because he and I work together. You know, we're going to miss people like that. And I thought about that today. We need to remember the Newell family, his daughter, who's on staff in Indianapolis, and Eric, his son, also in ministry. We need to remember their family today. It's going to be a tough time losing a mother just a few years ago and now to lose their dad. So we need to remember... We need to remember our brothers and sisters. Remember Dixie today and the loss of John. And so uh, I hope that you'll keep them in your mind and your hearts as you pray this week. I thought of a story that I heard some time back of a family that uh, had gone to a church fellowship together, sitting at the table with a couple they had hardly known, and uh, they began to share about their lives and what they had. And the family said, you know, we've, we've got this pet parrot. And, uh, you know, parrots are supposed to talk, but the only thing this parrot will say is, let's pray. He said, every time somebody, every time you walk by, it says, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And the family across the table said, you know, we've we got a parrot too. And it only got two words. And all it says, let's kiss. And they said, it's embarrassing. People come to the house and they walk through and all this parrot wants to do is say, let's kiss, let's kiss. So they decided that they would get together and have pizza the next Friday. And they said, why don't you come to our house and bring your parrot. Maybe we get these two parrots together. Maybe we can get more of a conversation out of them. 
And so they did as they got there and they began to eat the pizza and all of a sudden they, they had put the two parrots into one cage. And the, and, and, the, and the parrot that was put in the cage, the first words out of his mouth was, let's kiss. And the other parrot said, praise the Lord, my prayer's been answered. <laughs> Not always that easy. Well, you know, I thought about the message today, something that I think is important for all of us as Christians, as individuals, as people. It comes from Matthew chapter number 7, beginning at verse 24 in the text, but I want to talk about foundations. I want to talk about building on the rock. I mean something sturdy. Do you know that I believe it's important in all of life that we have a good foundation. Children must have a good foundation. Youth must have a good foundation. And adults must have that foundation. And so the text simply says these words, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man or woman which built his house upon the rock. Now, can you imagine in your mind today if you were to drive by and see the most gorgeous house and the best location that you can even imagine in your mind? And you stop to see this house that's for sale, and it's a brand new house. I mean, it has everything that you could desire. Everything about it is absolutely gorgeous. And you begin to look at it, and, and, and you know, I thought of this because you see signs when I leave here on Sunday, I open house today, open house today. And there's lots of people that sign their name and go in and look at these houses. But they look at this house and then find out that the house is for sale for a lot less than you ever dreamed it would be. And you look at one another and you say, I can't believe this. We can afford this house. This is everything that you would ever want in a house, and it's at our price. And so they begin to talk to the realtor and say, I don't understand why the price is so cheap. Is there something about this house that we need to know about? And the realtor says, well, you know, in order for the contractor to save money, he built this house on stilts. He didn't put a foundation under That's the reason why it's so cheap. Now, I don't know about you, but, but with all the storms and hurricanes that's been going around, I'm not so sure that I'd want a house, no matter what the price was, that didn't have a foundation. You see, without a foundation, I'm not sure you could sleep good at night. I'm not so sure that every time you watched the weather and saw that there was a storm coming through, that you'd feel comfortable about falling off to sleep in that house with no foundation. You see, foundations are important. And so I begin to think about this. What is true about a house is true about our life. What's true about that house is true about your life and mine. As a Christian, we must have a solid foundation. The lack of such footer makes a person susceptible to every doctrine there is. 
Every new whim that comes down the pike, every time somebody has a new vision or a new translation, and we fall for it if we are not planted on the solidness of a foundation of the Word of God. I see it happening all around us. Jesus Himself talked about building your life on the rock upon the good foundation. Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthian believers, Paul said there is only one possible foundation upon which we can build, and that is Jesus Christ Himself. Because every other foundation will crumble. He didn't say we're to build. Let me, we have a lot of people today that are, are building their life on a new kind of church. Oh, wow, if we could just, this is a new movement. This is a, a new kind of church. And, and, and we're going to do it differently. We're going we're to make it unchurchy. But what kind of a foundation are we building on? Oh, we might entertain ourselves and we may, we may have wonderful meals and we may have a lot of laughter together and we might have a lot of games to play. But let me tell you something, my friend. All of those things will pass. The only thing that will hold you in eternity is the foundation that you're built on. You see, some people are building on new kinds of church. Others are building on new doctrine. A new charisma, a new a person with a very charismatic personality that can win anything, that can sell you anything. But my friend, what is important is the foundation. The only foundation that will stand is Christ alone. At the close of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto the foolish man, who built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I watched the news not long ago when we had the storms and the hurricanes that came through. And as they began to go back through after the storm was all past, and they began to see all these houses that were demolished and destroyed, there was one house and one man that was cleaning up around it that was left standing in the midst of it all. Of course, the news media, you know, they stuck the microphone in front of them. They said, what do you suppose was it that made your house more important than anybody else's, that let it stand through this great hurricane? The man simply said, well, I built this house. And he said, I did it according to the code that told me that if I did it according to this call, it would stand anything, and it's proven that it has. Well, let me tell you something, that's true with our life as a Christian. You see, we must realize there, the blueprint, the Christian life, my friend, has a blueprint to it. And it's a simple blueprint. You know, Jesus said uh, we must become like little children. Little children believe about anything. I mean, if you tell them and they, and they trust you, they'll do it. Well, you know what? That's true because that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus taught this. He, Jesus said, if you want your life to be built on a solid foundation... He said there's two things you need to do. It's very simple. Two things. First of all, you need to hear what I say. Hear what I say. And secondly, do 
what I say. If you build your life on what you hear Jesus saying, and you do what Jesus said, your life will withstand anything, my friend. And so when I begin to think about these two essentials come into focus here. Knowing what Jesus said and doing what Jesus said. The knowing part is spread around a little bit. The knowing part is the responsibility to get spread a little bit around. You see, the pastor has a firm mandate. Any man or woman that stands in the pulpit like this this morning, we have a mandate from God to preach the Word. That's what he's talking about. That's the thing that's going to help people. Those in the pulpits are not to preach politics. We're not here to preach, my friend, theory. We're not here to preach psychology or history or anything else that matters. We are to preach the Word. That's what God called us for. That's what God demanded for every pastor to do, to stand upon the Word and preach the Word. I have no choice in this matter, for the Bible says preach the Word. But I, want to, I may say to you, that's not my responsibility. Do you know that every one of you that teach a Sunday school class, every Sunday school teacher that stands before a group of people, no matter how young or how old they are, you have the same responsibility that I do. It's to preach the Word. Not to have fun and games, not to talk about whatever you want, but to preach the Word and instill them and get a foundation on them. You have no choice, my friend, but to preach the Word. And not only that, you know, it, it, he didn't let anybody off. Because you see, not only does a preacher have to preach it, and not only does a Sunday school teacher have to preach it, but those of you that hear it and those of you that listen have a responsibility to apply it to your life. You see, that's what it's all about. You have a responsibility. You never be any stronger spiritually than the time you spend in worship before God. You'll never be any stronger than the time that you spend searching and digging into the Word of God. And then when you see it and read it and hear what He's saying to us, you apply it to your life. That's what makes Christians strong. You're kidding yourself if you think you can get by with media ministry. If you think buying a few CDs or turning on some Christian radio or television program or reading some books is going to get it, God has given you a responsibility to know what the Word says. To know what it says. And then not only know what it says, again and again in Revelations 2 and 3, Jesus said, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You see, when you come to church on Sunday, it's not a matter of you just looking to see what kind of a necktie I have on. You see, you have a responsibility to hear what God is saying to you. And sometimes it may be a terrible way of me producing it, but God through Holy Spirit will make you open your hearts to hearing. You see, your heart can hear if you allow it. And so you need to listen to what the Word is saying. I'm going to tell you something. Not only that, you know that today, I, I believe with all my heart, we, we have a generation of people that just don't hear anymore. And it's not because you've got to be old like me and lost my hearing. That's why I wear that hearing aid. You know, I, I mean... You know, I think that we have a problem. We are not very good listeners today. 
Have you ever noticed that you get in a group of people and somebody's talking and, and you know, and you see it. You see it all around. You, you don't listen to what people are saying because you're already in gear thinking about how you're going to interrupt them and give your opinion. You know, we do that with God. When God's speaking to us, sometimes we say, oh, hold on, Lord, now you don't want me to do that. That's not me. That may be for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, but not me. You see, we interrupt because we don't listen. We hear, but we don't really listen. Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these words of mine and obeys them. Now, I'm going to tell you, one of the ones, you remember the Old Testament, Samuel? Samuel made a pact with God even as a child. Samuel said, He said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Tell me. Are you really hearing what the Spirit says through His Word when He's talking to the church today? Do you really hear what He's saying that you ought to be doing and how you ought to be living? Are you just letting it pass by? Are you doing what the Word says? You know, knowledge alone is not enough. I know lots of people that know lots of... I hear people say it all the time. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew better than that. I know that's not the thing I ought to... That's not the way I ought to act. I know that. You see, but knowledge is not enough. There must be a heart response to the knowledge that the mind accumulates. You see, you have to get it from here to here. And we've got too many people today running around with it all up here. And you know, when it never gets here, it just comes out here. <laughs> and sometimes it's the wrong things that comes out. Sometimes it's the wrong way of speaking. And the first barrier that you and I must cross is what God wants and what you want usually are two different things. What God wants and what I want most of the time is two different things. Now when God lays it upon my heart to drive 50 miles to visit somebody and to tell them about Jesus Christ and He sends me in a storm, you see, my thoughts is, Lord, I can wait for a sunshiny day. But God knows the limit of time that person has. God knows when the time is. He may not even know the limit of time. He may know the time when's the best time for their heart and their mind to be open to what you're going to offer them. And so I've learned through the years that even though it may not seem reasonable, even though it may seem silly, even though it seems it doesn't make sense to me, it makes sense to God. And so you see, what I need to do is to, is, is to listen. We must present ourselves as a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice to God, which the Bible says is just our reasonable service. You know why he says that? Because you know what? There's nothing you go through. There's no time of the day. There's nothing that you will face. There's no problem. There's no debt. There's no sickness. There's nothing that you do in life that God doesn't have you front and center before Him. If you're His child, He's watching out for you and every move that you make. And so He says, when He just simply asks us to go do something, that's just a reasonable thing to be done. You see, we're, we're kind of like children, you know. Some kids say, well, I, I, I don't get paid for taking the car. I don't get paid for washing the car. I don't get paid for cutting the grass. If you live in the house and you're getting food, and you're getting heat, <laughs> you're getting clothes, that's a reasonable service. You see, the same thing is true in our spiritual life. 
When God sees us, He knows that there's some spiritual things that we can do. And so, in doing so, you acknowledge that God knows everything and you know little. I find this all the time. You must put your trust in Him in a way that is practical, not in theory. And that's the reason why the Scripture says, and this is where the faith walk comes in. This is where walking in faith really comes in. Isaiah said, and he put it in this principle. In the 55th chapter, Isaiah put it in these words. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are high than the earth, even so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, yet despite that clear concept in the Scripture, that even though we may not understand it all, God has a holiness. He has a, he has a life pattern. He has a blueprint on how His people ought to live. And you know what? That blueprint, it's simple. It's there for all of us to read. And yet we have people today I couldn't believe my ears. The other day on a talk show, I heard two fellows talking. And I began to listen because I wanted to see who they were. They were, they were proclaimed homosexuals. Both of them saying, I am homosexual. I am a Christian homosexual. I have not had to change anything in just coming out of the closet. Brother, let me tell you something. Those two boys need to read the Word of God. Because if there's anything God speaks against, it's that. You see, but the problem is, is that many times, many times, you know, this is utter nonsense. The Bible has spoken explicitly. Jesus adds this word, you know what is required and you must do it. I found out I... I, I drive around and I watch church signs. I, I like to watch church signs. I wish they put their time of the service on them, that's all. <laughs> I, have, I have a kick with that, you know. I drive all around the place and I see these church signs. They've got church signs everywhere, but they never tell you what time church is. So I don't, I don't know how you know to go to church. Some guy asked him about it and he said, well, you've got to go online. I said, well, you're driving down the road. You're not online, are you? <laughs> if you are, you're going to get picked up. You know, but they don't put anything out there. But every once in a while you'll see a sign. It says, we accept all. And I begin to ask what that meant. And you know what that meant? That meant that no matter what lifestyle you have, no matter who you are, let me tell you something, Jesus seeks all. He doesn't accept all. All we like see have gone astray. All of us have our sinful. But I'm going to tell you something. When you come into the knowledge of God through the Word of God, God changes your life to be a holy and acceptable unto Him. I'm not sure that's all acceptable. When I pastored some time ago, full time, I hate to admit that sometimes you have failures. I had a few. I had one fellow that came to church. He came for a couple of months, and I thought he kind of liked me. You know, we got along pretty good until I began to get under his skin, I guess. I don't know. But he left. I didn't see him for two weeks, so I decided to make a call on him. When I got to his house, he wasn't home. So I left my little yellow card. If I made a call to your house and you weren't home, you probably got one. I got a little card. You hang on the door. Sorry I missed you. Well, I missed the guy. Well, he called me. 
And I said, I, I, I missed you. And, and somebody rumored to me that you weren't coming back. And he said, no, I'm not. I said, well, what can I do to help it? He said, well, really nothing. He said, I've been going two weeks to another church. And he said, you know what? They're, they're not so explicitly Bible this and Bible that. I said, you mean there's something wrong? He said, I just think you expect the, too many people to live by the Bible. And I don't think you have to live every day by the Bible. Well, you know what? I got to thinking about that. What was he looking for? How many of you that would have a cancer in your body or a heart that's plugged up would go to a physician that didn't know nothing about it? I mean, I mean, it, it don't make sense. Why would you go to a doctor that don't believe in, in, in what a doctor's to do? You know, he hasn't educated himself into it. He hasn't known how to do it. You know, why would you go there? No, the first thing you want to know is, is it, and I know because we've been going through it. We want to, do you, can you recommend a doctor that knows about what I'm going through? I want to go to a doctor that knows, you know. Or, you know, how many of us would have a car that's spitting and sputtering and can't, can't get it to go anywhere and you need to get it worked on? Just take it to some back alley mechanic that don't believe in the manual? You know, I've had a few of them. Take a wooden stake and put it to your ear and put it down to the engine and find out what it's missing. <laughs> you know, they don't believe in the manual. Don't believe in any of the modern things that's going on. How many of us would want to take our $25,000 car to somebody like that? And yet, and yet there are people that will get out of bed every Sunday and put their best clothes on, sometimes, and go to a, to a church that didn't offer them anything, that didn't offer to heal their body, that didn't offer to help them to get out of their difficulties, that didn't help them to know that, that we're concerned about them. And that their souls are in limbo. You see, I want to go to a church that's going to tell me how they take that roadmap that's going to get me to heaven. That's going to get me on the right track. And so when I begin to think about this man, as I thought about this, this fellow that thought it was strange to do this. You know what? The key word in any follower of Jesus is obedience. You know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, is sin. That's what I'm talking about. He that knoweth to do good, but he don't get it down here, so he quits doing it. You see, the Bible says it's sin. If you know you ought to be doing something and you don't do it, you're sinning, whether you want to admit it or not. And so when I begin to think about that, the key word for the followers will be, Jesus said, if you really love me, do what I tell you to do. How many of you mothers have made that Scripture? Didn't even know it was Scripture, did you? You say to your kids, if you really love me, you do what Mom says. If you really love me, you, you, do, you do what I ask you. You wouldn't debate what I'm doing. You would just, if you really love me, you do it for me. And that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, if you love me, He said, what I, what I tell you, do it. The followers obeyed him gladly when they realized that he was the basis for purity and love. He cared about them. 
Christianity is not. Sometimes I get in trouble, but that's okay. Sometimes I think Christianity is not some just some spiritual jolt that somebody gets. It's not that you went, oh man, I felt this thing. I never felt anything like it. It's not an emotional jolt. It's not a carnival parade of, of alleged spiritual gifts. It's not, my friend, Christianity is not a church full of people that are just simply singing and singing and singing in ecstasy with their hands in the air. Anybody can do that that gets excited. Go to a president's rally. They're doing it all the time. You see, what makes it, my friend, what makes it right? It's not even the architecture. It's not even the beautiful building that people say, I want to go to there. Oh, because you can't imagine that church. You can't imagine the architecture. And people are wooing and awing it. It has nothing to do with discipleship. Christianity is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Nothing to do with all these surroundings. You see, if it is knowledge, it is the acknowledgement that Christ is the Lord of our lives. It's the acknowledgement, my friend, that as a follower of Jesus, every aspect of living is there. It's it's knowing what Christ expects of you and fulfilling that divine expectation of what God wants you to do. There's nothing spooky about Christianity. There's nothing spooky about it. You don't check your brains at the door when you come in. You don't go into some kind of spiritual trance because you come into the house of God. Christianity is presenting everything you and I are to Jesus Christ and allowing Him to work in our lives. That's what it's all about. It's just simply being what we ought to be, holy and acceptable unto God. And Jesus considers that to be normal, reasonable service to Him. So when I do something, somebody says, oh, wow, why, that, that was a real sacrifice. No, no, it's just a reasonable service. It's what God calls us to do. Let me give you a personal example. The more I know Jesus, the more I want to talk to Him. The more I talk to Him in my prayer life, the more I learn what He requires of me. The more I apply it to myself by obeying these requirements, the happier I am. The better off I am. The more fulfilled I am. The less of my life shakes and rattles when storms come that will come. It don't make any difference who you are. The storms will come. But I'm going to tell you, the thing that makes us stand in the midst of a storm, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of death, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of heartache, is the fact that we know that Jesus still holding us in the palm of His hand. He's taking care of His own. And that shouldn't come as a surprise because Jesus said it would be exactly that. He said, if you hear what I'm saying and do what I require in your life, you're built upon the rock and the storms will indeed come, but they will have no lasting impact on you. I wonder this morning, in your life, all of you have had storms. All of you have had heartaches. But what foundation are you building your life on? What are you building your life on today? Is it tradition? You know, lots of people go to church. I talked to the funeral director yesterday and we were talking about how that how that people, it's amazing how the people will move away from Sugar Creek 
They may be gone 25 years. And a family member dies and they come back to Sugar Creek. To a little funeral home over here. I said, did you ever notice that? He said, oh yeah, we do it all the time. I said, you know why? Because tradition... Tradition is so built into some people because grandma was buried and grandpa was and mom was and dad was and Uncle Joe was and Aunt Alice was. We feel we need to be there too. That's no different. But it's tradition. You know, there are some people who go to church and will never change church and never go any other way. And if you change something in the style of the church, in their tradition, they're upset. You see, it's not tradition. Sometimes people build on theory. Some build on emotion. Oh, I, I just don't feel anything. I, I just don't, I don't feel excited going to church. I, I don't feel uh, real good about the preacher. You know, he preaches too long or he preaches too short or the songs is not what I like. Let me tell you something. It's not a matter of emotion. There's nothing wrong with emotion. I mean, I'm glad everybody's not like me. And we'd have an emotional mess around here, okay? But you see, emotion is not what we build on. Is it Christ? Are you building on Christ as your Lord? Are you building your life, my friend, because you know that He is your personal Savior? You see, a lot of people know that He's the Savior of the world. But what about you? What about you? I tell you what, it makes me excited. I know that my life is built on. I know that I'm building on the faith that I believe in the Word of God. I know that I have a Savior who has saved me from my sin, and He has has been with me through these years. And I'm going to tell you something. He's also the master of my life. It's not my control. It's His control. He's my everything. I guess that's the best word I can give it. He's my everything. Christ wants to be the Lord of your life today. If He's not, He wants to be. He wants to be. And you know what? That's why these altars are here. You know something? I'm not going to tell you that I know you can make that decision. I know you can, your mind and your heart, and you can ask God. But you know what? There's no better way than to come to an altar, an altar that has been dedicated to God, and kneel at that altar and say, Christ, I want you to become the Lord of my life. I want to hear what you're saying to me, and then empower me to do it. You know, Nike had that thing, just do it. They didn't realize that was really a message from Christ. Just do it. You need, if you need something from Him, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be the Savior of your life. He wants to be the Master. He wants everything. And when you give Him everything, in return, you get everything. You get everything. That's why we can ask and receive That's the reason why we can come before Him in His presence and say, God, I have this need or that need. and Lord, I I want You to know that I want to do this and I want to do that to please You. And God supplies that need because You've given Him everything. Let me ask you this morning. We're going to sing a song. But has Christ got everything in your life? Is it all given to Him of everything you do and everything you say? You do it for the glory of God. You do it because you want to serve God. If not, this is a good day to hear what the Lord say and do what the Lord says.
Too many times in church we hear, but we walk out the door and we don't do it. Today's the day to do it. Just do what God says. That's sad. Father, oh God, you know the hearts and the lives of your people. We want them, Lord, to be able to stand on a firm foundation. A foundation, Lord, that will stand in the midst of the storms. That when they come, that they can know that they're anchored on the rock. They're anchored in Jesus. And you said you would never let anything, anything defeat us. As long as we stay true to you. So, Father, we pray that as they've heard, that they'll respond. And just simply doing it today. In Jesus' name we pray. If you have that need, I'd love to pray with you.